All the dads in the house, granddads in the house, it's good to have you out today. And uh, we're in the book of Luke chapter 17. I want to, just while you're finding Luke 17, just say, man, we had an amazing VBS turnout this last week. So thank you all the volunteers. We had a place packed with people screaming, running around. That's taking place still this week, Wednesday night. And then the following week, we'll have the animals out with us. So uh, if you got kids, it's not too late. You can throw them in. All right, Luke chapter 17. And um, man, I love preaching through the parables. We're in a summer study of the stories that Jesus told. Uh, th- these are some of the greatest stories on earth you read about. And I like to find like stories, parables that I haven't taught from before. And I found one here called the parable of the dutiful servant, Luke 17. And I think that this is a, a, a great one for a father's day. I want to read the parable. Luke 17, verse 6. I want to read down to verse 10, and then we're going to pray. Here's what the Bible says. If you have faith, even as a small even as small as a mustard seed. You could say to this mulberry tree, may you be uprooted and planted in the sea, and it would obey you. When a servant comes in from plowing or taking care of a sheep, does his master say, come and eat with me? No. He says, prepare my meal, put on your apron, and serve me while I eat. And then you can eat later. Does the master thank the servant for doing what he was told to do? Of course not. In the same way, When you obey me, you should say, we are unworthy servants who have simply done our duty. Let's pray. Father, I thank you this morning for the word of the Lord. I thank you for inspired pages of the Bible coming alive in the hearts and the minds of people. And I pray today that we would receive the word. I pray it would grow and edify us. And I thank you for perspectives in life. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. And everybody said, amen and amen. You know, in some of my journeys, I came across one of my dear friends named Pastor Corbett Stubbard, my, my good friend, was uh, in Seattle. Uh, you know, Corbett, before he was a pastor some 10 years ago, 12 years ago, he was, um, he, he was working uh, doing real estate flipping. You remember what the market was like before it got so hot this time? This is before the subprime mortgage meltdown. Now, my friend Corbett, he was flipping homes in Seattle, and he had made a profit of $108,000, and he went and put it in a little old bank called Washington Mutual. He got on an airplane. He flew to Africa. When he was in Africa and landed, he was pretty horrified and shocked to read that the paper said that Washington Mutual had collapsed. And everything that he just put in the bank was now gone. So he said he kind of sat in an African hut, evaluating life, praying about what to do. And and he felt the Lord calling him to become a pastor. You know, he got back to the church he was at, and and miraculously, the doors opened for him. They wanted to bring him on staff. And, you know, this is now, in in the era we live in, they had a real tough time through COVID. His church is located in, like, urban Seattle. And, you know, I'm grateful to live in Montana. We didn't shut down, by the grace of God. (laughs) But they were calling the cops for having services. So, you know, everyone that was at the church, they couldn't have church, they ended up moving off. And they told Corbett this week, they're going to have to shut the doors down. But it was okay with Corbett because the end of the week, he'd found a job with Alaskan Airlines as a flight attendant. And it was sort of a God thing because he found out his daughter got engaged to a wonderful Christian man who lives in Scotland. And now he was going to have the opportunity to kind of travel here and there. He loves missions. He gets to go do things across the world now. I mean, just a whole new set of doors open for him. And it made me think, and by the way, his wife has an online job, so she's able to travel too. Made me think about how you know, the Lord takes care of his people. And it made me think about some of the flights that I've been on. You know, when I was flying to Pakistan recently, 
we went through uh, Dubai on our way to Lahore. And, you know, I remember meeting the, the, a girl on the plane who was from Buenos Aires. They had a South uh, American flight crew with us. And so we got to talk, and I found out she was a Christian. And she ended up guessing that we were doing some missions work up in Pakistan, was able to pray for us. It made me think about how God's got people everywhere. And it made me think about what the parable here portrays, which I'm going to call the attitude of an attendant. You know, talking about a steward or stewardess being a servant. And when Jesus, you know, spoke on the parables, he's got 39 parables that he wrote from, spoke from, 39 of them. And this one is probably one of the most overlooked parables. It's really not a very attractive parable, sort of misunderstood. It's a perfect thought for Father's Day, though, because being a father is like being a flight attendant. You know what I'm saying? They ring the bell because they need some service. Uh, children need bicycles fixed. <laughs> they need beds made. And I appreciate mothers, but I do feel like fatherhood is one of those things that's overlooked and maybe neglected. So I, I want to uh, read here <coughs> this parable here. I'm starting at verse 6. Look at verse 6. He said, the Lord answered. This is what Jesus said. If you had faith even as small, someone say as small. If you had faith just as small as a mustard seed. You know, someone brought me a little mustard seed the other day. Those things are tiny. He, he said, if you had just that small amount of faith, you could say to a mulberry tree, a big fully grown tree, be uprooted and, it, and be planted in the sea. And he said, it would obey you. You know, the, uh, the sixth verse here has an interesting Greek construct. There's an implied thought with it. And it's perhaps best translated like this. Jesus is saying, if you had faith as small as a mustard seed, and you do, you could say to this tree, be uprooted, be planted at the sea, and it would obey you. And the point that we're trying to make here, and this is really a great attitude of servants, is understanding that our little goes a long way. The little that you have goes way further than you thought it could. You should never underestimate the power of some, something small. I, I started the series talking about the parable of the sower. Small little seeds that grow into great things in the kingdom of God. There's power in a seed. You know, the, the book of James said it like this. He said, let him ask in faith without doubting. He who doubts is like a, the way, a wave of the sea driven and tossed to and fro by the wind. And, and what Jesus is saying is you have faith, so you should ask God for things. That's what James is saying as well. Just a little bit of faith goes a long, long way. You know, faith is the most powerful force in the world. Jesus said that a little bit of faith could uproot a fully grown tree. In the book of Hebrews, the writer said, by faith, God was able to frame the worlds. In 1 Corinthians 13, Paul wrote that faith can move mountains. I just, that little bit of faith is so powerful. It's something small that pays huge dividends. Now, when I study the Bible, I'm looking for context. So I started in the sixth verse, but it's really kind of like uh, Jesus responding to a statement the disciples made back in verse 5, when the apostles said, Lord, increase our faith. You know, they, they said, Lord, we, we need our faith to be increased because if you look at the chapter, in, in, that, uh, that no one could be offended. Jesus is talking about being offended. And in verse 1, he said, it's impossible that, uh, that no one could be offended. He said, in life, you're going to have people that are going to offend you. And, and, and then he told the disciples, if people ask for forgiveness, you have to forgive them. Not once, not twice, seven times, which really means every time it happens to you. And when the disciples heard that, they said, 
Oh, Jesus, you're going to have to increase my faith. I don't think I got faith for that. I don't think I can handle having to forgive everybody and not being offended all the time. But Jesus said, if you just had a little bit, a little bit of faith, it would go a long way. Man, I want you to think about little things, a little bit of faith, big results. How about a little bit of forgiveness? Man, a little bit of forgiveness would go a long way. And all you have to do is simply ask for forgiveness. It's not a complicated thing. Just a little bit. Man, you know, I'm thankful for a wife who forgives me. Come on, somebody. <laughs> She's forgiven me for a lot of things, man. <laughs> uh, I, I remember, you know, when I was a rebellious teenager and my sisters forgave me. I remember the moment I had to sit down with them and say, I'm sorry. And that one little bit went a long way. I have parents who forgave me. They walked me through things, talked to me, and I'm just grateful for that little bit of forgiveness. You have been forgiven. And if you would just have a little forgiveness, it would go a long way. How about a little bit of love in your life? Just a little bit would go such a long way. You know, I remember when I was in Pakistan with my friend Joel, and his whole thing when he got there was he wanted to feed children with candy. And it was pretty cool, man. He, he had a group of kids, and he was out handing bags of candy out, and he became like a local celebrity. The whole village was gathering around him. They wanted him to come into their home and pray for it. And one guy had a pet peacock. He wanted Joel to pray over and bless. <laughs> they told Joel he was beautiful. <laughs> Joel was like, hey, thanks. I wish my wife would say that. <laughs> but it was funny because, you know, like that little bit of love went a long way. Yeah. I mean, little things, they, they pay big dividends. What, what about like a little bit of communication? Just a little bit. Uh, I remember when I was that rebellious 16-year-old teenager, and I had a roommate across the hall. She's here today. It's my 98-year-old grandma. Now, grandma was a younger woman back then, probably in her 70s. And she said to me, um, she walked up in the hallway. I remember where she was. She said, you're not living for the Lord. <laughs> and that's all she had to say. She might have said some other things I don't remember. I just remember that little bit right there. And it penetrated my heart, made me think. And all it took was that little bit of communication to kind of get the wheels turning in my heart and mind. Uh, maybe it's a little bit of humility that you could show, just a little bit. Now, I remember being 25, and I was hanging out with my grandpa. And I remember the moment when I realized I was not treating him with honor. He's 85 years old at the time. And it just struck me that I'm, I'm not treating him in the right way. And so I made a little shift in my heart and mind about how I would start treating him and, and difference in, in my, my thoughts. And I'm telling you, it just did so much. It was just that little bit of humility that went a long way. Maybe it's a, a little bit of wisdom. You know, wisdom is the ability to apply the things that you know. And I feel like we live in a time now, we've got people who are very educated, but they lack wisdom. And, and that small amount of relational intelligence when it comes to forgiving people, loving people, when it comes to blessing people, man, that could go a long way. Wisdom is how you should know what to say and when to say it when you're dealing with people. And the disciples are like, Lord, we need some faith just to be able to do the things you're saying. Church somewhere else. A little bit of time. You know, I have a neighbor across the street named Florine. And Florine goes to church somewhere else, but she said, I think actually you're like my pastor, because she said, uh, you'll listen to me and talk to me, and, and, and that little bit of time, that little bit of, hey, how are you doing? I want to pray for it, goes a long way, man. She's been a blessing to me. And by the way, maybe it's just a little bit of money that could go a long way. My wife, 
You know, she's like, hey, you know, if you want to take me on a date, we don't have to do some big elaborate thing. We could just go get a little ice cream. We could go out for coffee. Just that small amount will go a long way. And that's how the kingdom operates. Money is like a seed. You plant it in the ground. Even a small amount will, will grow great dividends on the way back. Jesus talked about the story of that, the, the poor woman who gave everything he, she had. And in his eyes, that was the biggest thing you could do. It was a small amount, but it goes a long way. So as a servant, you need to understand that your little will go a long way if you'll do it in faith. You know, the Bible says in Romans 14 that without faith, it's impossible to please God. That little small bit, that small amount you have, man, it could do such great things in the kingdom of God. Servants understand that. Servants understand that that little bit you do, that little extra attention to detail, that one little thing you could do to bless somebody, man, that will go a long way. That's the attitude of a servant. Let me give you um, another attitude here. And I'm in the, the seventh verse, Luke 17, verse 7. Now the story begins. When a servant comes in from plowing, taking care of the sheep, we could say mowing the yard or making your children's bed. Does his master say, come on in here and eat with me? No. This is what he says. Prepare my meal, put on your apron, and serve me while I eat. And then Jesus said, you could eat later. Now, it does seem like this dude's power tripping, right? I mean, what in the world? Like, it, it, like, but Jesus is making a point here, and the point that he's making is that our efforts are for His excellency. Our efforts are for the excellence of Jesus' kingdom. There's a man named Oswald Sanders who once wrote a book called My Utmost for His Highest. And the point that he was making is all of our efforts, everything that you're doing needs to go towards the kingdom of God. Everything that we do in, 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 the, in the efforts that we put into it are for the glory of the Lord. That's what Scripture teaches, Colossians chapter 3. In everything you do, the Bible says, do it all is unto the Lord. And then later in the 23rd verse, same chapter, Colossians 3, he said, whatever you do, do it with all your heart as unto the Lord and not to men. Now, when you read the parable here, it would seem as though the master is unappreciative. I mean, it would kind of seem like, you know, this guy is, is, is you know, angry and vengeful, but herein is, is what lies the perplexity of parables. This is why it's kind of fun to study some of the parables, because like, you shouldn't read too far into them. They, they have a main point they convey, and the main point in this story is not that God is like an angry dictator. You do with our efforts as servants for the kingdom of God. The point is, so long as you are alive, your chief aim in life is to serve God without hesitation, without rest, and with everything that you have. That's what Jesus is conveying to these disciples. And it would seem as if life here on the earth is a little hard sometimes. I heard some guy say, life is good, but it's hard. And sometimes it just feels like we're toiling down here below on the earth. You're toiling away at a job you don't particularly care for. And, and, and you know, you're, you're dealing with little kids who sneeze constantly, and you have to clean up their snot off the floor. <laughs> Our toiling here on the earth is to do the will of the Father who sent us. That's what Jesus said. My, my meat is to do the will of the Father. My food and drink is to see his will accomplished. That's what Jesus said. So we're at his disposal. Like a flight attendant when people ring the bell because they're cold and they want a blanket. Or like a waiter when you run out of iced tea at a restaurant. Or like a dad having to fix the uh, bicycle chain. 
I'm at his disposal. I'm in his service. And what that means is that I am willing to give God my best effort. I'm willing to give everything I have. Now, I think about that as a pastor. You know, as a pastor, I, I try to do the best I can in sermon prep, for instance. I try to get here early and hear from the Lord. And if I've had enough caffeine, it's really easy. <laughs> There's something about like the best thing I could do for a congregation is live a godly life. I try to, I try to follow that. As a, as a uh, parent, I'm trying to be involved with my children. They require attention. They need me there. As a husband, I'm, I'm trying to be emotionally available to my wife, and, and I'm trying to meet needs. And that means that I have to do things like have personal growth and development. I, I've got to grow as a man. I, I've got to learn how I can you know, still romance my wife later on in, in marriage. I mean, these are things that I have to grow in if I want to give my best. Uh, you know, I think about, you know, when, as a Christian, I have to go the extra mile in life. I have to extend myself. Speaking of going the extra mile, you know, I was at the gym the other morning. I was running. We got up at 4.30. We went down there, and I ran two miles in 17 minutes. It was an endurance day. They had us running. And, you know, at the second mile, I did not feel like doing it. I was covered in sweat. I was kind of staring in a mirror, and I was thinking, I don't feel like doing this. But afterwards, I felt pretty good. Later on in the day, I could feel the uh, endorphin rush in my brain, you know. <laughs> and, and I've had moments in life like that where the Lord's asked me to do things, and I did not feel like doing it, but I gave him my best effort. I was out there in Seattle with my buddy Corbett, and uh, I just remember they needed help with the kids' ministry. So Corbett was running around looking for help. That, that, it was a Wednesday night, and he said, man, I really need your help with it. So I was like, well, bro, I'll come back there. And, you know, I, I played Goliath on top of a stool while kids threw beanbags at me for about an hour and a half. And we sang Father Abraham until we got to out of body appendages and we sang with our tongues. And I just gave everything I had. I remember it wasn't fun in the moment, but later on, I look back and I really cherish that moment. Yeah. It, it means uh, as a servant, you give him your best, your everything, everything you have. That's the point of the parable here. There's a song. I surrender all, all to thee, my precious Savior. And, you know, I have sometimes trouble singing that song. Because I have to really evaluate, have I really given him my all? I don't know many people who really do give him their all. I think about Pastor David. You know, he's back there working with the kids' ministry. And I, I'm telling you, he's laid down agendas in his life to do that, just to be a servant, and it blesses me. And it, it reminded me uh, of the story he was sharing about Navy SEALs one year when he was preaching. He, he talked about this Navy SEAL. You know, the Navy SEALs go through BUDS training, and they're trying to make them the best fighters in the world. And he told the story about a, a Navy SEAL, and, and they go through this you know, water training. Everything is much more difficult when you put them in water. So at the bottom of the pool, they're trying to untie knots. They put this thing, a rope in 17 knots, and you had to untie it, and you couldn't go get oxygen before it was untied. And the guy had gotten 16 of the knots undone, but the very first knot, he couldn't get undone. And he's there at the bottom of the pool, and he's trying and trying until that was it. He started drowning. He drowned. And they jumped in the pool. They saw it wasn't moving. They pulled him up. They're pumping him. And just as they're about to let him expire, poof, all the water came out. And he's breathing and gasping for air. And they're all standing there amazed. And the first thing the man said, did I get the last knot untied? <laughs> they said, you know what? Uh, knots like that aren't even in the manual. We do that to try to just push people to the limits. And you have been pushed to the limit, so it's okay. <laughs> we'll pass you. <laughs> and that, that's what it is to give your best for the kingdom. I mean, willing to go to the point of death. 
I'm willing to give the Lord my obedience. If he prompts me, it means that I want to instantly obey him. You know, I, I find it funny. Most of the promptings I have in my gut are that little thing that tells me, you know, I, I should help this person. I, I should get involved in a situation. And I remember <laughs> when we were in Rome here on the way back from, uh, from Pakistan, I had just a day in there, and we were going through the catacombs. And we got there at 4 o'clock at night, the last one to go through was me and Joel. And then there was another kid there from San Diego, and he was probably 20 years old, and he was a... Uh, he was a, um, like a, tra- a student you know, in school, overseas student. So here with the bring out, you know, how to get back there. And I said, well, you know, if you're going back to the same area of town, why don't you just hop in here with the, with the taxi with us? I'll cover it, you know. And, and I, I just felt like I just should bless him. So we got back to where we were staying at, and I said, all right, now, I covered your uh, taxi cab to get back. Now you need to let me pray with you, all right? <laughs> I got to pray with him, told him about the Lord. And, and I just felt like that, that one little thing that was an opportunity for me to bless somebody, and it was my obedience. And when you say, I'm giving him my best, what you're saying is, I'm giving him my heart. Now, I find in the culture today, sometimes it's easier for people to give their money than it is their hearts. Uh, It's like, man, if you give God your whole heart, it means there's nothing you're hiding from him. You know, the Bible does say in the book of Hebrews chapter 4 that all things are naked and open to the eyes of him with whom we have to do. And he who's got fire in his eyes is walking up and down the aisles of churches, and he knows exactly what's going on in the hearts and the minds of people. You can't hide things from him. And, you know, it means that your lifestyle is going to follow suit when you've given him your heart. That's what a servant understands. That's the attitude of it. The very best that I have, everything I have, belongs to him. I'm going to give it to him. This is the heart of being a servant. Now, attitude number three here, in the ninth verse, here's the third attitude of an attendant. Jesus is continuing the story. He said, does the master then thank the servant for doing what he was told to do? Of course not. I think that's a, 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 no, he doesn't. In the same way, when you obey me, you should say we are unworthy servants who have simply done our duty. Now, I've read this parable for years, and that word unworthy, or some translations say unprofitable, it, it, it was really hard for me to wrap my mind around. What? is Jesus trying to convey here? What is the connotation? I'm not sure. And if we could tie it up together for you, here's the point that we would make, is that our best is really the least that we can do. The best that I have is the least. If you've done everything, if you've given him your best, it really is the very least that you can do. You know, the master expects a servant to perform assigned duties, And that means that no additional reward is necessary. As Christians, we shouldn't be seeking rewards. We're not owed anything. And and serving God is not doing him a favor. Did you know that? Uh, You you can see why the parable here isn't very fun. You can see why people don't like to talk on this one. They like to talk about the parable of the Good Samaritan. Because this parable is like, man, this is hitting me home. I'll never forget one time I I made a statement to a well-known minister I was escorting around. And I was telling him, well, I feel like God owed me on this. And, and he stopped me right there. It hit me hard between the eyes. God does not owe you. And I've never forgotten that. And it's kind of something, you know, that, that has sunk into my mind. Why is it that our best is the least that we can do? And I'll, I'll tell you why. It's because he is the master. I like what the scripture calls him. Holy Lord of all, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, the only potentate. He is holy he is righteous. He reigns supreme. And 
If you ever really just fully got a hold of that and saw him in his glory for who he is, all you could do is submit to him. He's the master. And if you get a glimpse of how great he is, like we were singing about this morning, it's like everything belongs. He's worthy of it all. That, that's why we, we should give him our best, because he's worthy of everything. He, he's called the, the Lamb of God, the sacrificial Lamb of God, who took away the sin of the world. You realize that only Jesus is worthy enough to take away sin. There's no other name under heaven by which mankind can be saved. That alone is what makes him worthy. He's the only one in the book of Revelation who is worthy to be worshipped. He's worthy of my worship, man. That, that is why I, I'm able to just be a servant of him, because he's worthy. He's a master. He's worthy. And by the way, he's forgiven you and me. Now, I love how the story, the story began. Jesus, in the beginning of the chapter, is telling all the disciples, you're going to be offended in life. It's impossible that you don't get offended. It's going to happen for you. If your brother offends you, he said, you have to keep forgiving him over and over and over. And I found that it's easy for me to forgive people who might have offended me because I can realize that I myself have been forgiven. Man, there is no feeling that is as good as realizing you've been forgiven by the Lord. It's something I have to remember in my mind because it's the only cleansing thing that can cleanse a conscience. I have been forgiven by him. And therefore, it's easy for me to forgive other people. That's why he's worthy of, of my very best. And it's the least I could do because he forgave me of something nobody and nothing else could. Uh, the reason why he's worthy of my best is because he loves me. Man, there's something amazing about the love of God. Because as Christians, we're not seeking a reward for our obedience. We are serving God because we love him. And the reason we love him is because he first loved you and me. Isn't that right? Man, I'll tell you something about the love of God. When I get down, when I get depressed, when I get in moments where I, I, I'm like, I just simply start dwelling on the love of God. I start thinking about how much he loves me. And it took a long time for me to even exercise that thought. I'll find a lot of people are not familiar or, uh, you know, they have a hard time just appreciating how much God loves them. And it's like, man, does he really? But I have found when I do that, when I think about his love for me, his goodness, his kindness, his mercy extended for me, you know what it brings into my life is a sense of peace. And nobody and nothing else can bring that into my life but Jesus. So I'm grateful for that. That's why the very best I have is the least I can do because I love him and he loves me. He, see, he, he's the one who gives freely. to Give out rewards to us because we're owed them. Did you know that? You're not owed them. He gives them out freely to you. He's the most generous person you ever meet. He's overlooked some of the stupid things you've done, and he still cares about you and still loves you because he's generous like that. That's what makes it so hard to comprehend and it mysterious. I mean, how people struggle really appreciating and understanding God's generosity, his grace, his mercy and love because it's free. And it's hard to comprehend. There's things he's given us that money cannot buy. Man, he'll bless your family. He'll give you a sense of purpose in life. He brings peace into it. All those things are freely given. He said, freely I've given it, freely receive it. And what that makes me want to do is give him my very best. Because it's the least I could do for him. That's the heart of a servant. Man, God is so incredibly gracious. I mean, he's like the flight attendant that I met on another flight. 
when I was flying from London uh, over to Denver. Now, I just come from India. And uh, in India, it's like Pakistan. All you get to eat is curry every day. And uh, it's cool by like day two. But by day 12, you were done with curry. Done with it. I remember I'm on that flight and uh, I'm coming back there. And you know what they had on the airplane? Ham sandwiches. No, no curry. I wouldn't have made ham sandwiches. I I remember I had a ham sandwich and a Coke. (laughs) And then I asked the stewardess, I said, uh, hey, I've been in India for like two weeks and my my stomach kind of hurts. She said, oh, you've got a case of deli belly, new deli. (laughs) I was like, yeah, that's right. And can I have another ham sandwich? (laughs) So she did. She got me a ham sandwich, a blanket, and a pillow. And I watched Jack Ryan for like 12 hours and slept on the plane. (laughs) I was so grateful for the kindness he showed me. You know, I'm telling you something. You're, you're like a flight attendant. If, you, if you're a mom, if you're a dad, if you're a servant in the Lord, except you don't have a British accent uh, and, and you are working for God's glory. Let me ask you the questions about being, what a servant means for you. Uh, do you have a little bit of something? Do you have a little bit of humility, a little bit of faith, a little bit of love? And, and are you sowing? Are you planting it somewhere? Just your little bit. It's funny because people often overlook the importance of that. That one little bit that you do, that one cup of cold water, in the name of the Lord, it goes a long way. That little extra attention to, 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 to detail. You pick someone up, you encourage them. You, you know, I've had that happen many times. I have a gift of encouragement, and I just, man, sometimes it just hits me. I want to bless somebody. I, I'll start just saying little things can go a long, long way. And that's all the Lord's asking you. Do you have a little bit? You got more than you think you do. Just a little bit of faith applied in the right direction will go a long way in your life. Yeah. Or maybe we ask the question, um, you know, are, are you really using the, the things that God has given put in your heart? Are you putting forth enough effort into his kingdom? And if we were to be honest, probably we could say you're probably not doing as much as you could be doing for the Lord. I know that because we live in a lukewarm society where people, are, you know, are, feel pretty good if they make it to church once a month. <laughs> I'm just telling you, man. Oh. <clears throat> but, see, this is where most people live. God is not demanding it from you. He, he didn't do that, but he, he's, he loves you enough to, to just kind of draw you in. And if you could ever just give your heart over to fully and completely, mm, man, it would do such wonderful things on the inside of you. Mm. Now, I, I want to pray. I want to pray for um, for the servant that you are to come forth and, and be realized in a deeper and a greater way. And as I was putting this together, I was reminded about a buddy of mine. And I was telling him, I said, man, I feel like the Lord is really calling you to do more for his kingdom. And he knew it. He said, I feel that way. And I, I feel that same thing in the room this morning. I feel like that the Lord... It, it's like he, he's requiring more. He wants you to give more of your heart to him. He, he, he's asking us that, that we would give our very best. That we would not let agendas be in the way. Not let selfishness get in the way. But just say, Lord, I want to serve you because I love you. And that would be one of the most powerful things you could ever give him. That's what's in this parable. That's what it is to be a parent going the extra mile, raising children, being involved. It's the same thing with the Lord, giving everything that you have. So I just 
I bless this people. Anyone want to just grow closer to the Lord? Draw near to him. He'll draw near to you. Be a servant and he will bless you. So I see hands. I see servants in this house. Father, I thank you for a servant-minded people. God, I pray that we just start seeing clearly. You said in this side of the world, this side of life, we see dimly and in a, in a glass that's not lit up. But I pray, Lord, for a very clear, very realized perspective of how great you are, how much we owe you, how much you love us, and how we can give to you. And I want to be in that place where I'm giving you my very best. I don't want anything to be held back. I want to fully submit my life. Man, I'm praying this for me this morning. I want to submit everything I have before you. I pray, Lord, as believers in the house of the Lord, we would be willing to give you everything. Everything that we have, our very best for the glory of God. I want to be a profitable servant in the house of the Lord. And I pray that over your people in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen and amen. Man, I just felt that in my spirit. I felt like the Lord is asking more. And you, you might just sense that in your heart. You know, I, I haven't done what I could do. And I feel God is asking and requiring that I just give more, a little extra here, a little extra there of my time, my attention, my forgiveness. You know, with love, that, that's all it takes. I was thinking about, you know, flight attendants because we're talking about being an attendant today. You know, one of the coolest flight attendant stories I ever met was my friend, uh, Rekna. This girl was from India. Now, in, in India, like, you have no idea how poor people live. Like, there's no trash collection system. They live in miles of mountains of trash around them. And when you're poor in India, you are like the poorest in the world, all right? Now, this, this girl, Rekna, she's a sweet girl. She was raised in a, like the poorest part. And you don't make it out of that in India usually. But her friend, who was her neighbor, invited her to church. Come to church with me. In India, you know, you got Hindus, and they have like 300 million gods. So if you hear about another god, you're like, oh, that's cool because you don't even think about it. So she went to church, and, and she'd been there for about a year and a half. She started understanding that they were saying Jesus is the only God. He's the only way into heaven. There's no other name under heaven by which mankind can be saved. And it got her thinking. She was like, can I be a Hindu and can I be a Christian? And she said, I, I really don't, I, I don't think I can. And, and she said, I, I have to kind of figure out what I believe. Do I want to stay as a Hindu like all my friends and family or or, or do I need to accept Jesus? And so she was praying about it one night. She was torn. She said, I don't know what to do. I, I'm, I'm kind of confused here. She said, it just came to her. I think what I'll do, I'm going to just spend the night thinking about it, and I'll see how I feel in the morning. So she said, this is what she told me. She said, uh, I went to sleep, had the best night's sleep of my life. And then I woke up in the morning with this incredible sense of peace and reassurance that Jesus is the Son of God, that he died for my sin and I should live for him. She said, that's it, man. I got peace about it. I'm going to give my life to him. Do you know what happened to her about two weeks later? She said, I couldn't explain it. Suddenly, I had this supernatural, amazing ability to comprehend and speak English. All of a sudden, I just started really being able to fluently do it without, like, it, and it really helped her because when she went to apply for a job, she scored number two in the class on a bilingual test, which is like the number one requirement to get on the airline. She got hired at Air India. Travels all over the world. I just saw her with a little baby on Facebook. She was in Washington, D.C. And she said her friends in the poor parts of India say, how did it happen for you? And she said, Jesus changed me. Yeah, she had to make a decision. Now, I want to ask you this morning, 
You have to make a decision. Is he the son of God? Is he really the Lord of Lords, the King of Kings, the master of all? Is, is he worth living for? You're going to have to ask the same. That's, Jesus did that to Peter. You realize that? Yeah, he asked Peter, who, who do people say I am? And they said, oh, you're a good dude, a prophet, fun guy. And he said, that's great, but Peter, who do you say that I am? And he had to say, you're the son of God. That's a question for everybody. It's a confrontation. And it demands attention and that you're willing to leave behind a life and follow him. Every, if you every eye closed this morning, if, if you can't answer that question, if you don't know, if you want to meet the son of God, Jesus, I want to have you put a hand up. I want to pray with you. And you can know for sure he is the way, the truth, and the life that no one can come to the Father except through him. And that he will give you peace, reassurance, longing, and love in your heart like you've never had. Amen. Amen. All right. You know what? As we stand up this morning, I just want to ask you to pray. Let's stand up for a moment here. And I want to just have you put a hand up to the Lord. I see. I, I, I feel like, you know, I think everyone in the room here said, you know, that they're right with the Lord. But you know what we want to pray is that God would use us as servants to reach other people. So if that's you this morning, you say, Lord, I want you to use me in a greater capacity. Just put a hand up. Say, Lord, I want you in my life. I want to reach people. I want to do my utmost for your kingdom. And Lord, I pray over this group of people that we would be fired up about evangelism for the Lord, reach people, uh, witness everywhere we go in the mighty name of Jesus. And everybody said, amen and amen. If you, if you are uh, interested, you could help us with VBS, man. We, we had a great time. I want to thank all my VBS people for helping out. We got it going next week. And then today, I just want to remind everybody that it's Father's Day and we have little Treats out there. I don't think treats. We got tools, I believe. Something fun this year. We got a little something, something for you out there. We love you very much. I want to pray for you if you need prayer. And I need one more help from servants. The front two rows, I got to have them stacked up and put over on the sides. So if you could stick around and help us stack the front two rows, that'd be great. If you want prayer, we're here for you. I love you very much. We'll see you all next week in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. I love you all. Amen. Amen. Mm. 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 Leonard, Leonard Romero. <laughs>